Hello and welcome. You're listening to Search for Truth, your Bible study program with teacher Brian Johnston. And many thanks for joining us. Once again, we're looking with Brian at chapter 14 of Mark's Gospel, a chapter where a lot happens in its 72 verses, and it draws to a close with weeping. Brian's called his talk today, Betrayed, Denied and Very Alone. So, with reverence and sensitivity, let's pursue our study now with Brian. Thanks, John. Yes, we're about to arrive at the moment Jesus had been preparing his disciples for all along. As they leave the meal table, where we left them last time, Jesus tells them, in verse 27, You will all fall away, because it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered quoting an Old Testament prophet's words and applying them to himself, Jesus again predicts his death, or at least he infers that God is about to strike him. He's the shepherd, and his disciples are the sheep, his followers. They're the ones who'll be scattered. The striking and the scattering taken together here set the twin themes of this section, and they're interwoven, of course. Mark then writes... And if this was all from Peter's memoirs, as most believe, then this would have been a painful recollection for Peter. For in verse 29 we read, Peter said to him, Even though all may fall away, yet I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, that this very night, before a rooster crows twice, you yourself will deny me three times. But Peter kept saying insistently, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they were all saying the same thing also. Not only did Jesus know in advance that he was going to be struck by God, he also knew he'd be abandoned by his disciples. Back at the meal table, if the disciples had been confused, now they were indignant. If they'd been confused about which one of them Jesus was referring to as a betrayer, Now they were indignant that he was saying that they'd all abandon him. This section of Mark's Gospel we're considering lies between the promise and the fulfilment of the denial by Peter. He was the most vocal of the disciples in protesting his loyalty. Yes, the focus is certainly on Peter. Okay, moving on, Peter had boasted that he was ready, if necessary, to die with Jesus. But soon we find He can't even stay awake and be supportive while Jesus is at prayer. Verse 32. They came to a place named Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here until I have prayed. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little way beyond them, and fell to the ground and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass him by. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. It's hard not to notice the different attitude Jesus shows to this danger. In the midst of the storm on the Sea of Galilee, he'd remained asleep until awakened by the panicked disciples. At that point, he calmly rose up and stilled the storm with a word of command. 
now in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's greatly distressed as he anticipates the experience that lies ahead, which he styles as a cup that he must drink. This is an idea often used in the first part of the Bible, where such a cup pictures God's judgment being served in this way to various nations that were hostile to God's ancient people of Israel. Verse 37, And Jesus came and found them sleeping, and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? This happened not once, but three times, each time that Jesus returned from praying. But now it gets worse. If they've gone from bravado to slumber, next we find them going from slumber to flight, that is, to running away. Verse 43. Immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, came up, accompanied by a crowd with swords and clubs, who were from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now he who was betraying him had given them a signal, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away under guard. After coming, Judas immediately went to him, saying, Rabbi, and kissed him. They laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me, as you would against a robber? Every day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But this has taken place to fulfil the scriptures. And they all left him and fled. A young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body, and they seized him, but he pulled free of the linen sheet and escaped naked. Here Jesus is left all alone. By saying that his arrest was happening to fulfil the Bible's prophecies, it seems as if Jesus effectively ended any resistance by his disciples and surrendered himself to the mob led by Judas, the betrayer. At this, it's as if finally the penny drops for the disciples. In other words, they realise that he really means all that he's been saying. It is for real that he's going to die. At this, they flee. Verse 53, they led Jesus away to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes gathered together. Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest and he was sitting with the officers and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council kept trying to obtain testimony against Jesus to put him to death, and they were not finding any, for many were giving false testimony against him, but their testimony was not consistent. Some stood up and began to give false testimony against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and in three days I will build another made without hands. Not even in this respect was their testimony consistent. It's as if Mark really wants us to be clear that this was a sham trial. He uses a lot of repetition about it being false testimony and testimony that wasn't consistent. Of course it wasn't, for only the truth is coherent. Then in verse 60 we read, The high priest stood up and came forward and questioned Jesus, saying, Do you not answer? Again the high priest was questioning him 
and saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus said, I am. And that was what condemned him in their minds. It was this, his claim to deity. That's when those religious men decided a death sentence was in order to end the most beautiful life the planet has ever seen. And it was then that all the hateful physical abuse began. Throughout the trial, we see Jesus composed when under cross-examination by Israel's high priest. What a contrast Mark now makes as he switches in parallel to another trial. It's the test Peter is undergoing in the courtyard of the high priest. Peter has at least followed at a distance and anyone reading for the first time may wonder if there will be a, a flicker of hope. Will the disciples be found to be in complete and utter disarray or will Peter salvage a little of the reputation of the disciples? Verse 66. As Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus the Nazarene. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you're talking about. And he went out onto the porch. The servant girl saw him, and began once more to say to the bystanders, This is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while the bystanders were again saying to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean too. But he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man you are talking about. Immediately a rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had made the remark to him, Before a rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he began to weep. Peter crumbles under a chat with a servant girl. He didn't deny himself, but he denied Jesus. Before we criticise, however, we must face the fact that we are very often so like Peter. It happens every time we fail to speak up for the truth about Jesus.
Now, as usual, I remind you that there's uh, the book which contains all the transcripts of the talks in this series. And in fact, every series we do. So it's available for the asking. All you have to do is to mention that you'd like a copy of Take Your Mark's Gospel. And you can do this by email or by post. And here's the address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DYUK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Incidentally, if you order the book, you'll find all our addresses and resources uh, listed in there uh, that you can apply for. Now, you might be interested to know as well that a lot of titles of Search for Truth transcript booklets have been turned into e-books and they're also available at amazon.co.uk forward slash kindle hyphen e-books. That's amazon.co.uk forward slash kindle hyphen e-books. And when you're in the Kindle store, type Search for Truth, Brian Johnston, into the field and they should appear. Now, it's been a great joy to have your company today, and it'd be great if you can join us again next week for more teaching from Mark's Gospel. Until then, it's cheerio, and very best wishes from our Bible teacher, Brian, our producer, David, our singers, and me, John. So, cheerio, and may God richly bless you. Oh, so-